the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him or were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And believe in the gospel, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. I love the lectionary and the way that the Sunday readings guide us through the church year. And I don't envy those whose task it was to sift through and choose an Old Testament reading, a psalm, an epistle, and a gospel reading for each Sunday. However, there are times that the selection of passages for specific Sundays prevents us from encountering the fullness of a passage of Scripture. Such is the case with the prologue of Mark's gospel. The lectionary divides these 15 verses that we heard today over three non-consecutive Sundays. It's easy for us to miss the forest because we are so focused on the trees. And since this is the first Sunday after the Feast of the Epiphany, it's the day that we celebrate the baptism of our Lord. We will focus mainly on that portion of Mark's prologue, but we heard the full prologue so that we can see this section in its context. So let's take a moment to appreciate the forest before we look at that tree. As we walk through Mark this year in the lectionary, two forest-sized lenses will guide our journey. First, the way that Mark structures his account as the gospel of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. This very first sentence lays out the journey of the whole book. Second, there's some evidence that the early church used Mark's gospel as its baptismal text. I find it useful to picture the early catechumens sitting in a darkened room or perhaps even in a cave on the eve of the celebration of the resurrection when they would be baptized at first light. 
when they would hear this text as they prepared to leave behind the life that they had known and enter into the life of the church and face the very real prospect of martyrdom. This takes me out of the comfortable Christian culture of today that demands so little and into a world that challenges me. Mark begins his account with a tremendously subversive statement. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus. The gospel, the euangelion of Jesus is set in stark contrast to the imperial cult. We find a priene of this inscription proclaimed by a priest of the imperial cult. Since providence, which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our life, has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom she filled with virtue that he might benefit humankind, sending him as a savior both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. And since he, Caesar, by his appearance, excelled even our anticipations, surpassing all previous benefactors, and not even leaving to posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done. And since the birthday of the god Augustus was the beginning of the good news, the beginning of the euangelion for the world that came by reason of him, the imperial cult set forth the emperor as the son of God, the bringer of peace, the savior. Mark prepares us in this opening sentence for a clash of kingdoms. Is it Jesus or is it the Roman emperor who brings peace and salvation? Perhaps this is a question we need to ask ourselves even today. Mark continues declaring Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. From Christ's baptism to the transfiguration, Mark will lead us along with the disciples on an exploration of what it means that Jesus is the Christ. Mark also declares that Jesus is the Son of God. And from the transfiguration to the crucifixion, Mark will guide us on the discovery of the fullness of what it means that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. And after the shocking declaration of this opening sentence, we meet John the Baptist, the one foretold in prophecy as the forerunner of the promised Messiah. John is a shocking figure, clothed like Elijah, living in the wilderness, eating locusts and honey, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And a large crowd gathers around John, and yet he proclaims, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In our own age of self-promotion and self-sufficiency, it's worth noting the humility of John. He is fully obedient to the call and purpose of God, and in this obedience he recognizes that he is not the one, but he serves and points to the one. John recognizes that as good as a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins may be, it is not enough. It is only the precursor, the first part of the way of atonement. As we look back at the Feast of Atonement, the center point of the Levitical celebrations, we see the cleansing of the people and the priests is followed by the receiving of life, 
and encountering the living God. We see this fulfilled in the promise that the one who is mightier will bring a baptism of the Holy Spirit, a filling of life and communion with the living God. I think one of the great failures of our time has been the way that the gospel, the good news, has been truncated into a message only of repentance and forgiveness. Indeed, these are good and necessary, but they are not the full story. Jesus consecrates the waters of baptism. No longer is baptism simply a washing, a cleansing of sin. Instead, in Christ, we are baptized into life. We are baptized into that life that preceded creation, the life of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in perfect unity. Paul describes this mystery as being buried with Jesus by baptism into death in order that just as he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. John has come to prepare the people for the way. And now the way comes on the scene. Jesus comes from Nazareth to be baptized by John. We might ask, does Jesus need a baptism of repentance? Certainly not for the forgiveness of sins, but if we take repentance as a turning, a point of choosing to follow God rather than any other path, the baptism of Jesus by John is indeed a turning from his life in Galilee to the fullness of his calling and ministry in the kingdom. Jesus, fully human and fully God, must have been tempted. As it is written, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Perhaps Jesus was tempted to simply continue on, comfortable and safe in Galilee, or to walk a different path. Perhaps the way of violence and control, the way of compulsion and coercion, the way of assimilation and syncretism, or any of the other destructive ways that his body, the church, has chosen to walk. Instead, Jesus turned to the way of God, the way of peace and reconciliation, the way of justice and freedom, the way of the kingdom. As we sit with the catacombs, waiting. Where are we tempted and where are we turning? As we look more closely at the baptism of Jesus, we find that identity precedes ministry. Identity precedes ministry. As Jesus comes out of the water, the heavens are opened, the Spirit descends, and the Father speaks. You are my son. The words of the great coronation song. You are my son, my beloved, my beloved, the way that God describes Isaac as he sends Abraham to the mountain. You are my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The words we heard in Isaiah to introduce the song of the suffering servant. In baptism, Jesus knows who he is, the Messiah, the son of God, the king whose throne is the cross secure in this identity as the beloved. Jesus can endure the temptation in the wilderness and he can return to Galilee and proclaim the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. We are reminded with the catacombs 
that in baptism we take on a new identity in Christ. No longer Greek or Jew, slave or free, rich or poor, in Christ we are beloved children of the Father, citizens of the kingdom of God. Like Jesus, it is this identity that will sustain the early church as they are tempted by Satan, and even as they face martyrdom, even as they face being thrown to wild animals, they can recognize the angels that minister to them. And it is our identity as beloved children, as citizens and ambassadors of the gospel of the kingdom of God, that must guide us and sustain us as we face the challenges and changes of our time, proclaiming in our words and actions that the kingdom of God is at hand. So, as we come to the table of the kingdom, may we hear the assurance of our identity, the assurance of love that sustains us as we receive the very body and blood of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, given that we might have life. And as we go into the world proclaiming the still subversive good news, as we enter into the clash of kingdoms, may we recognize the angels which minister to us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.